Overcoming natural biases can be really difficult, but it is also really important. This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Torah portion of Kisetzi, a portion that is packed with mitzvahs, 74 mitzvahs, more, significantly more than 10% of all the mitzvahs of the Torah in this week's Parsha. We are going to look at two that give us some perspective on how the Torah talks to our biases and how significant, how important that we overcome them. One, in chapter two, Chafez Pasuk Dalid, Lo Sira Es Chamor Achicha. Do not be observing your friends, your brother's animal. No Flumaderach, it's fallen on the side of the road. This is understood by the commentaries to mean that the load has fallen off and your friend, your peer, or this, this guy cannot get his wares to the market. He cannot get his building supplies to his construction site. He is stuck over here with the equivalent of the flat tire. Don't ignore that, but rather, Hakim Takim Imo. Assist him. Get involved and do what is necessary to get him back on the way. This is described by the sages as the mitzvah of Te'ina, of helping load the animal and get him on his way to his productive day. There's a parallel, somewhat contrasting mitzvah, elsewhere of Te'ina, of Purika, the mitzvah to unload an animal. In Air Parsha is the mitzvah of loading the animal, but there are situations in which the animal is in distress. There's simply too heavy a load, and that is why the animal is not moving. In that context, there's a mitzvah of Purika, a mitzvah to assist by helping unload the animal. The Gemara in Bav Metziah raises the question as to what happens if you're facing both scenarios. You have one situation of an animal that needs to be reloaded, another where the animal needs to be unloaded, and the preference is given to unloading the animal due to tsar bale chayim, the fact that the animal is in distress as well. But, says the Gemara, there's an exception. There's a context in which the mitzvah of our parsha dominates and would reign supreme and have you have to load the animal rather than unload the other animal that you are observing. And that would be in a context where you don't like this guy, where you, there's some element of animosity between the two of you, and where this is what's described as a sono, the person that you dislike, then you must overcome that natural bias to lean away from helping him. And here you'd say, I'm so justified. There's another animal in distress. But you're going to turn the back on this person and there may be elements to which he or she will rightfully perceive that this is coming from your sense of satisfaction with the fact that, oh, I don't have to help this person. I'm so thankful I don't have to help him or her out. And that's going to generate further animosity between the two of you. And in such instance overcome your natural inclination against helping them and get involved. Well, wait a minute. What about the fact that this other person is in distress and his animal is also in distress? Says the Talmud, lachuf as Yitzro, to overcome his inclination, to break that natural reaction, the bias factor, to break that, adif, that's more important. We have to be able to take control and not allow ourselves to do things because of our emotional reactions. And my first inclination is to not even notice this person's distress and to pass him or her by 
to come up with some excuse. In this case, what seems to be a very legitimate excuse is the Torah, no, I'm taking that excuse away, turn back and help them. Fascinatingly, even in an instance where you have a license to have this disturbance with them, their behavior is such that they don't warrant your loving them, as is generally the mitzvah, and you have the license to display a frustration with their very corrupt and evil ways. But we are so concerned about this turning into a more heated battle between the two of you, between the animosity growing and getting to a point of personal tension and vendettas that we say, stop what you're doing, go help this person out. A very different mitzvah that we'll jump to for the moment, later on in the parsha, we have the mitzvah, this moves us into chapter 23, that verse four as well. Here's the mitzvah of telling us to maintain a distance between the Ammonites and the Moabites. They're not to be allowed to marry into the Jewish people. And the Torah tells us why at verse five, because of the fact that they did not greet you with bread and water on the road when you were leaving Egypt. And because he hired against you Bilam the son of Baor to curse you. Now, two elements over here are being described. They did not greet us with bread and water. They did not act favorably towards us. They maintained a distance from us and were not neighborly-like, and they were not acting as they really should have as distant cousins, as they were descendants of Lot, Abraham's brother-in-law and nephew, and they should have acknowledged that Lot really owed quite a bit to Abraham, including his life, and their whole existence was due to the fact that Lot was a nephew of Abraham, but they did not display kinship, and they maintained a cold shoulder against us. They did not greet us with bread and water, and they also hired Bilam the prophet to curse us. Now, that latter part, hiring Bilam the prophet to curse us, was their attempt at having us be annihilated. It wasn't just that Bilam should curse us with some type of, uh, you know, you should be uh, you know, suffering some type of uh, financial setbacks or some type of social distress. He was trying to curse us, that God, God would curse us and take away our capacity to be protected when we were going to battle and that we would be destroyed by the Canaanites. He was hoping to undo our entire future. So as my grandfather, blessed memory, pointed out, it seems to be backwards. They are so bad, they cannot marry into you because they didn't act nicely to you and they tried to destroy you. That first element seems to be so petty compared to the second element that it shouldn't even be there. They are so bad because they wanted to eliminate you. Why are we mentioning the fact they didn't act graciously to you? And he explained that it's a sequence. They didn't act graciously to you. They maintained the cold shoulder and that's what allowed them to have the capacity to try to destroy you. It's very difficult to simply want to eliminate another human being, to eliminate another mass of human beings, another entire populace. When you act brazenly against them, that gives you the internal capacity to become more and more extremely against them. When you start by saying, they don't deserve my kindness, they don't deserve my providing them bread and water, that allows me to internalize this sense of they don't deserve bread and water. There's something subhuman about them. And then I can muster up the strength to then move up a notch and up a notch and up a notch until I'm ready to try to have them absolutely destroyed and eliminated.
the maintaining the natural bias, maintaining that first thought of, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to act favorably and acting on that solidifies within themselves that capacity of brazenness, which turns to the, the coldness, which turns to that ruthlessness and that readiness to destroy. First part that we saw today, that need, when there's a distance between you, to flip it. Instead of justifying my distance, to turn into an act of benevolence to that very person to whom I have a legitimate reason for dislike. And we see from the second part over here that when I maintain a distance, when I maintain a dislike, that allows me to come far more sinister against that party and to turn it into elements of not simply lack of graciousness, but cruelty and readiness to curse them and have them eliminated. Throughout life, we have scenarios where we have natural tendencies to act, react in different ways, or to avoid acting and reacting in different ways. And as we are in this month of Elul, and we are turning to God with our claims that we are trying to become better people, we are trying to correct our ways, we're trying to develop our spirituality, one key theme could be to focus on this element of am I letting my biases dictate? Am I letting my first impressions and my emotional reactions, am I letting those dictate? Or am I allowing your guidance to reign supreme and to let that motivate and, and animate? It's not easy because our natural biases are our natural biases and they tend to speak very loudly and often take control of us. The Gemara over there was describing to control your Yetzer, to take charge, to not let the Yetzerah, that natural internal sense, to not let that dictate, to take control, but to take control sometimes means taking extreme action against that Yetzerah, to act. This is somebody... I don't want to be doing a favor to. I want to be turning my back to him. But the opposite. Not only am I not doing something negative, I have to turn and do something particularly positive for that person. And that last element is something that can really be a significant tool. Because if we can find situations where, you know, this person, you know, doing a favor for him, for her, not my top priority list. I know they really could use it. I know they really could use my time, my attention, finances, my ear, my helping them out with a, a networking situation. But, you know, I have reasons why they're just not on my A-list, not my top tier, not my first pick. But so doing, acting in that context, doing a favor for that person is going against my natural grain and building up that muscle of kindness and correctness and positive energy. Not doing so, maintaining that coldness can be extreme, as we see over here from the other story with the Ammonites and the Moabites. I'm not suggesting anybody's going to hire a, uh, a Midianite, <coughs> excuse me, to hire a Moabite uh, or a Midianite, uh, you know, uh, prophet to be cursing anybody, but we see maintaining a distance, maintaining a coolness is really a tragic first step toward what is sometimes far more severe, wrongful behavior towards that party, breaking the tendency, going the opposite direction, doing something positive for that person, we won't have regrets afterwards. And we'll be able to break that yitzer, break that inclination, break the natural biases and tendencies, 
And the Talmud is describing this as a critical trait because that is something which has far-reaching ramifications, far-reaching ramifications to the future and of great value in the moment as well. As Rev. Aaron Cutler has quoted, it can't be it's simply for the future outcomes because in the immediate, we have the situation of somebody else in distress with his animal and that Sa'ar Balei requirement to come to the animal's needs. So even in the moment, the Kfiyas HaYetzer, that, that dominating over the Yetzer, is of significant, ultimately infinite value. Finding such opportunities to exercise that control over the Yetzer will have ramifications not only in regards for that relationship, which will probably become quite better between you and that other party, but in general of that willpower and that ability to take control, dominate over the Sahara, doing so on a regular basis will hopefully become a norm. And that can have us come into Rosh Hashanah with that legitimate claim to God. Hey, look how I am trying to make the Sahara less and less of a force in my life. And I'm trying to be the type of person who's more and more dominant. And doing so is likely to make us into the type of people who will be far more likely to achieve Eretachlis.